Welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. In this podcast, we'll be having discussions around the secrets which attract lasting, healthy, fulfilling relationships, creating a healthy mindset, and what women should know and understand about men. Introducing your host, Lynn Smith, the Queen of Hearts, relationship expert, trainer, speaker, and best-selling author of The Cupid's Bow Technique. Lynn's mission is to have a positive impact in reducing divorce, domestic violence, and suicide. Welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. This is your host, Lynn Smith, the Queen of Hearts. And today, listeners, I've got a fabulous returning guest. His name is Nathan Seagal. How do you do, Nathan? I'm doing just fine, thank you. Thanks for inviting me back. You're very welcome. Um, I was I was really wanting to get you back on uh, quite a long time before now because you have been one of my most popular downloads so I'm thinking let me get Nathan on let me get Nathan on because he's a really great guy and uh, you've really got some intelligent wise words of wisdom to share with most of the audience that that's going to resonate with them that's cool I can't even remember what we spoke about (laughs) I think it was how to talk to strangers but you know oh yeah yeah. well I mean in in these times like good luck with that but uh (laughs) Well, I mean, it still applies, really, but it, th- things are different. And I, it really depends on where you are. Like uh, here where I am, state of Nairobi in Mexico, I just found out last night that we're going, quote, green tomorrow, which means, oh, all sorts of things will start coming back. And it's like, yay. But <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. One thing that I have been noticing down here is that more and more people are getting really tired of the mask and they're just saying enough. They're taking yeah. it off. But since we go green tomorrow, who only knows what that means? I'm looking forward to it. So so just for those people that might be listening to this episode in the future, and it might not be applicable, hopefully, in the future that um, people are wearing masks, we are in the current situation where the COVID pandemic is prevalent. And uh, yes, we're having to self-isolate quite a bit. And everybody's having to use this uh, social distancing regime and, and wear masks out in public aren't they it's quite common i mean i'm not one of the people who well without getting into the drama of all of that but i i don't believe in what i've been seeing i know from my own sources that a good chunk of what i've heard is not true and but then again i have a very strong dose of skepticism when it comes to government and media i i've been exposed to a lot of this kind of stuff before what's going on in the world And I know that what I'm seeing is, uh, what would you call it, smoke and mirrors. And I'm not alone. I I know a lot of people online who feel exactly the same way as me. And they they see what I see. I agree. You know, there's a lot of unnecessary fear-based, you know, uh, peddling of anxiety around, you know, our current situation to keep the masses down. Um, so I, I 100% buy into what you're saying, Nathan. And um, what's going to be well, interesting nice. in what we're going to be discussing today is how to activate your your strength and confidence on the back of probably, you know, being immersed in some of this fear and anxiety that's yeah. being put upon the masses, isn't it, Nathan? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, there are different things that people can do. And I remember a number of months ago, I was with my girlfriend and... Uh, and we were in the middle of this whole pandemic stuff. And I, and I was starting to get scared too at one point. And then one of the things that I remembered is I need to stay grounded for both me and my girlfriend, because if I don't, we're both going to go spinning off into space. 
So there were a couple of things that I did, but one of them was, it was a visualization really. And because I knew at, at a deeper level that, and it took me a while to figure it out, that a lot of what I was seeing was not real. And so I imagined myself being firmly rooted to the earth. I also imagined myself as standing in the center of or the eye of a hurricane and that everything where I was was calm and peaceful and beautiful and all this storm was raging around me, but I didn't have to do anything because I was in that eye of the hurricane and all was well. The, the second thing was, and it was bothering me for months because I kept looking at what was going on in the world and thinking, I've seen this before. I know this. I know what's going on, but I just couldn't remember what it was. And then one day I saw a movie and then something else happened. And then all of a sudden I remembered. When I was 19 years old, I became a part of a cult. And I was in that for about nine months. Uh, my parents pulled me out. I went through deep programming. I wound up in a halfway house in the States for six weeks. I learned about mind control. I learned about how I'd been manipulated. And all these things, and eventually I re-entered into society. And for a while, I was a part of the anti-cult uh, movement talking about these groups. But at one point, one of my friends said to me, you're getting too well-known, and somebody might decide to hurt you one day. And he said, I recommend you retire. And that scared me. I thought, okay, cool. So I retired. But when I retired, I also shoved all of this into a part of my mind so I wouldn't think about it again. And then when this came up, I thought, oh boy. And then I remembered. And then when I saw what was going on, and for your listeners, what we're being subjected to in the world, I, I refer to it as industrial strength mind control. Uh, Project Mockingbird seems to talk about that. But more to the point, if you do some research, and I did, there was a woman really popular at the time, this like 19s. 70s, early 80s. Her name is Margaret Singer. And she had a checklist for how cult groups operate. And when I was looking at what was going on in the world, I'm going, yep, I know this, I know this, I know this. So social distancing, that's a cult technique, keeping people separated and isolated. Bombarding people with propaganda 24 hours a day, that's a cult technique. And it's designed to scare the living bejesus out of people. So in terms of our conversation today, what they are doing, what they've done, and part of the reason that so many people are so scared is they're making use of a psychological device known as an anchor. And an anchor can be positive or negative. It doesn't really matter. But the way that the government and the media are using it is that they've created this storm of fear and then they keep reinforcing it every single day slamming us for every different direction activating that negative anchor to keep us afraid and so long as they keep pounding us with that people are going to be off the scale in fear and like i was saying to lynn earlier it's i did a poll a couple of days ago on one of the tour groups down here because i wanted to find out how many people were feeling afraid to do the coronavirus and I also asked them to rate how they were feeling from a scale of one to 10. And I was astonished that most of the people on there were well over five, sitting at seven, eight, nine. And many of these tourists were also saying that they were not going to come back to Mexico because they're so scared. And last night I saw on another site called Mexico News Daily, it was a poll about how people felt, Canadians, 
And it is hilarious. Mexican government is hoping that Canadians are going to come back to Mexico and revive the economy. And this is after scaring the crap out of everybody, right? <laughs> and I'm going, uh, are you guys a little bit touched in the head here? <laughs> so, but the poll showed that 65% of Canadians are not coming back this winter. So why is that? Because of this negative anchor that they've created. So I want to talk about Anchoring. It's one of the most powerful psychological devices that you can use. And you can use it for evil or bad in this case, or manipulation, or you can use it for good. So I want to describe a neutral case or, or a good case even where an anchor is used. So in this scenario, let's imagine that you're in a red convertible. The top is down. It's a nice, warm, sunny day. Your significant other is sitting beside you. You're really comfortable. You're feeling happy. There's a nice, warm breeze. And you start coming up to one of these incredible suspension bridges. Now, east of Vancouver, they built, rebuilt a bridge called the Portman Bridge. And it's got these incredible trusses and girders. And it's all stainless steel and supporting wires. And it's just gorgeous, okay? Just beautiful. And it just shines in the sun and sparkles. And so imagine that you're coming up to that bridge and you start passing over it and it's beautiful and you get a fabulous view of the ocean from there. And as you're driving over the radio comes a song by the name of Deacon Blues by the band Steely Dan. And you're listening to this as you go over the bridge and you go over the bridge down the other side and you're on your way. And that's it. Nice experience, but it's over. Well, a few weeks later, a few months later, maybe even a year or two, you might be sitting at home, you might be working, whatever. All of a sudden, you hear the song Deacon Blues. What's going to happen? You're going to be transported back in time to that experience of being in that lovely red convertible with your significant other beside you, driving over the bridge, listening to Steely Dan and all of that. So what am I talking about? This is an example of an anchor. Yeah. Neutral or positive, depending on how you want to look at it. But that's an anchor. So one of the things that I'm doing, uh, the response that I created with these, these people, is I want to show you how to generate confidence on demand. So whenever you're feeling anxious, I'll teach you this anchoring technique, but I'm going to teach it to you in a way that is going to be really solid, really powerful, really grounded, that you can use whenever you want. And especially if fear and anxiety comes up to do with the coronavirus, it's like the major problem today. And so just to describe how it would work, I'm going to be using a technique and I've already written it in, into an induction. I'm going to record it later. I'm using a technique in neuro-linguistic programming, which is called stacking the anchors. And, and in case you're wondering, that's what the government and the media are doing to all of us on a regular basis. They keep stacking the anchors in a negative way so that anytime you see somebody with a mask or a hand sanitizer or your foot is social distancing, that triggers this massive fear inside you, right? And for some people, it's so bad that the fear has gone into their minds and 
sanity is to part of the stage and get all these terrified <laughs> yeah. people who are snitching on their neighbors, screaming at anybody who doesn't follow the rules. You get some of these Karens, as they call them out there, with a six foot long stick and say, and demanding that people follow, the, you know, this is how insane it's gone. But this is the effect of an anchor being used in a negative way and being pounded into people so that they become permanently afraid that they can't come down from the fear. So what I'm doing here is I'm reversing the whole thing and I'm showing you how you can use an anchor in a way that will allow you to be positive, confident, grounded, resilient, all these things. So the way that it works is I would say to you, like number one, I would lead a person into an induction, but I'm going to explain to them at the beginning, this is how you've been manipulated and this is how we're going to change it. So the way to change it is to say to the person, you know, once they're nicely relaxed, they're in a, an alpha state to do with hypnosis, say to them, I want you to go back in time to a point in the past where you're feeling really confident, really comfortable. You're in a situation where you were spot on, where you were grounded, you were in a situation where you knew you were doing really well. I want you to recall that time. And I'd like you to think about what it was when you were there, how it felt, were there any smells in the air? What were you wearing? How were you in the environment and so on? And all of these things that I'm asking about, these extra details, these are called submodalities in uh, neuro-linguistic programming to help you recreate the memory as vividly as possible. And then the next thing I would say to the person is, so when you have that in your mind, it's really solid, let me know. Okay, great. So what I want you to do now is I want you to take your right hand and make a fist, not a hard one. And then I want you to place your fist in the center of your heart and I want you to hold it there for a few moments. And then I want you to release that and let it go and relax in your chair and just fall back a bit. And then we go through that process again. We go through it three times in this induction, stacking the anchors. So at the end of this thing, when I bring the person back to the room and saying to them, you now have an anchor that you, you can use whenever you feel anxious. So whenever you feel anxious for whatever reason to do the virus, to do with the work uh, presentation, whatever, you just make a fist of your hand, you hold it in your heart center for a few seconds. And what that's going to do, it's, it's going to reactivate the anchor in your neurology. You're going to, Go back in time, you're going to become rooted and confident and solid and resilient. And you're going to be able to handle whatever it is that is in front of you. And when you come out the other side of this experience, I also want you to do this again and anchor that again when you've successfully dealt with whatever it is. So you're stacking the anchors, you're making them stronger. Now, over time, you do this often enough, all you'll need to do is to think about it. And that will reactivate the anchor. And you will eventually get to a place where you won't even necessarily have to think about it. Whenever a challenging situation comes up, you'll automatically drop back into that state of resourcefulness and resilience and to be able to deal with whatever the problem is at hand. And these issues, you won't be manipulated by them anymore because you will have a device that will keep you grounded, confident, secure, and safe within yourself and your whole world will change. So that's it. Wow, that, that, those uh, sorts of techniques are really powerful. I can testament, you know, 
that they do work. I've actually studied um, NLP myself and become a, a master practitioner, so I can vouch for how powerful what Nathan's just described is. I'm preaching and to how the choir. Useful these sorts of techniques can be for managing your life in a more empowered, positive, and confident way. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I was listening to a video by my mentor, Rick Schnabel, where he was talking about, you know, really succeeding in your life. And in part of it, he was talking about modeling uh, your mentors. And there's a guy that I've been following. And, and at some point, I'm going to have to buy his course. And then, but Rick was also talking about, uh, this is named Rick Schnabel. He was talking about Listing their VAKAD strategies: so visual, auditory, kinesthetic, auditory, digital. That's what all those letters stand for. And you would elicit their strategy, and he was explaining how he did it with uh, a mentor that he was working with years ago. And he listed the guy's strategy of what he did before he went on stage. And he was doing all these NLP trainings. He was literally making millions of dollars in a single weekend. And he had this strategy. And so Rick asked him, you know, what are you doing? And the guy told him. And so Rick was able to use that and model it and build it into his own life. And he started having tremendous success with doing NLP presentations as well. And so this is something I'm going to be needing to do with this other mentor that I want to follow. Who's been very successful in building membership sites. So very, very interesting stuff. So there's some, there are many positive aspects to this. And once you learn the positive side to it, you won't be manipulated as easily by somebody who's trying to pull this stuff on you and go, oh, that's what they're doing. And I know how to stop it. I want you to explain to the audience, if you would, Nathan, because some people won't be familiar with NLP or, you know, these these um, letters that you talked about, visual, auditory, kinesthetic and, and et cetera, that... Um, uh, and how they apply to their life. So can you, first of all, explain, you know, that it is to do with our own specific learning styles and, and what that, what each of those lessons, lessons, I should say, letters <laughs> yeah, stand for well, and a little bit about each one so that people get a, a bit of an idea as to what you're talking about. Yeah, sure. I'll give it a go. Never done that, but I'll give it a go. There, there are multiple different ways that people learn. Some are primary visual, uh, visual, and if you're around a visual person, they tend to speak really quickly and in lots of concepts and pictures. Some of these auditory, that's her learning style, their way of uh, communicating with the world. They would th say things like, well, that sounds right to me. Uh, somebody who is kinesthetic would say, well, no, I like the feeling of that. These would be words that they would use to describe their world. And then there's auditory digital, and I have to admit, I don't have a really good handle on that. But as somebody who thinks in a particular way, apologies if you're hearing noise in the background. I live in Mexico, and somebody's driving by in a truck with an, a PA to it. But the auditory digital, um, now I can't remember exactly how to describe that. And I, I think you might have a better handle on it than I do. But it's a particular style of of learning and communicating is not as common as the other three. I think the majority of people are either visual or kinesthetic, aren't they? They tend to be. I've noticed my language as well. And I used to think I was primary, primarily digital, uh, visual. 
And I am in some ways, but not in the way that I communicate, because I notice quite often I say, well, it seems right to me or feels right to me or it sounds like. In, in NLP, these are like markers, if you will, of, vis- of styles, but a person isn't necessarily just one style. They might be a blend of several. And that's the other thing I was noticing about myself is I've got a blend of different styles and not just one or the other. It depends on the circumstance as to what I'm going to be doing. If I'm talking about a visual process like graphics and photography, then I'm talking visual style. But if I'm talking about something else, I might switch into auditory or kinesthetic. It just really depends. Hmm. I think, uh, you know, for some people, even when it comes to um, learning, and I think this ought to be taught in schools, you know, especially around reading, Um, Some people like myself love the feel of a book, of a physical book, and I love to read it. But, you know, my partner, for example, he doesn't, you know, he's more an auditory person. He likes to listen to to things like podcasts (laughs) or audible books, you know, because he finds that easier way to attain and, you know, uh, enjoy the information. I'm the same way as you, actually. I much prefer book in my hands. I love the feeling of the book itself the pages print on the pages i've i've tried uh, different readers i have one on my phone but i rarely use it i just don't care for it i don't like reading on the computer either i much prefer no. some sort of book and the other thing too about a book is if i'm looking for something i can find it really fast in a lot of cases whereas if i'm on my computer not so much and if it's auditory it's like uh where is it and having to go bang 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 it's like where is that marker so that I can listen to it? And I, and I have to really make an effort to think about where something is so I don't waste a lot of time trying to find it. So. <laughs> and also people can think, well, I'm not a very visual person, you know, so when they, you're doing an exercise like this, um, you know, and you're asked to sort of think about and visualize a time, you might not necessarily get pictures come up, but just trust that your unconscious or subconscious, whichever way you want to term you want to use, is is accessing that information for you, even if you're not actually mentally seeing any pictures. It's true. We all have different ways of doing things. For some people, pictures don't work at all in the auditory or, or feeling ways for the way that they function in the world. And I mean, as as communicators, whether we're selling or just meeting people in general, it's the challenge is to find how do these people communicate and then matching them. The other thing in technique, uh, sorry, in NLP that's very popular, very important is the thing called a rapport and different ways of doing that, whether you're doing it by conversation or whether you're doing it by literally mirroring, mirroring somebody the way they're sitting and so on. Uh, sometimes it can seem too obvious, but a lot of people don't notice when you're doing it. But it's a great way to build that strength of communication with someone. Okay, again, so, you know, just for people that don't actually know what mirroring actually means, can you give give a practical example of um, what what it would be to mirror somebody? Yeah, well, I don't have you sitting in front of me with your video, so I'm just going to adopt a, a posture. But let's just say... I'm sitting across from you and you're sitting there like this and I adopt this same position or slightly different, maybe this much different. So what I'm doing is I'm mirroring your posture as a way of gaining rapport with you. Yeah. So just just for the benefit of the audio, 
what Nathan's doing is just resting his chin on his hands. And he was saying that if that's what I was doing, he'd do the same, but in, a, in not a too obvious way, because you don't want to frighten people by, you know, copying them in a way that's going to feel stalkerish. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're, they're <laughs> but, really uh, interesting. You know, just gently, just if they're leaning forwards and got the chin on their hands, then you just do the same. Yeah. And it creates rapport without the other person even realising that you're mirroring their behaviour and um, using it to create that connection with them. Yeah, I'd like to use another example that I read about to do with Richard Bandler, one of the founders of NLP. He wound up going into a, some sort of mental facility and there was a guy there who was catatonic and nobody was able to reach him. So Bandler, what he did is he plopped down on the couch beside this guy and he just noticed what the guy was doing in terms of his breathing. And so Bandler mimicked him. He followed his breathing. And after about 20 minutes of this, he started experimenting with uh, changing his breathing patterns and noticed that the guy was following him. And after a while of doing that, uh, Bandler suddenly turned to the guy and said, hey, do you got a cigarette? And the guy jumped off the couch and said, geez, don't do that. <laughs> so so that's, that's an example of that. And uh, uh, of the power of report. And I thought it was hilarious when I read that. Very funny. But it's an example of how rapport can be used and how you, like another technique in NLP would be called a pattern interrupt, which is what Bandler did there, and breaking rapport and shock the crap out of this poor guy and bye-bye to the catatonic state. I thought it was really cool. Well, because he knew what the guy was doing, so you could uh, knock him out of that, that supposed... Uh, state where nobody could reach him, but Bandler knew how to do it and he did it. And I thought it was brilliant. Takes a lot of patience and confidence to sort of look at somebody like that and instantly think, well, yeah, I know how to reach this guy. And then, uh, you know, start very gently, like you say, just mimicking his breathing pattern to start with. Yeah, well, I, I read and I wound up actually watching a video with uh, the late Milton Erickson. He was talking about a technique that he did along those lines too. And it wasn't so much about rapport. It had to do with observation. And there, there were a couple of things that I heard about to do with Erickson, things that he did. And I thought, wow, this guy's a genius. It was really, really, really cool. I mean, I love stories like that. It's like, ooh, I want more. <laughs> well, it, it's certainly a, a very, very interesting topic, you know, um, delving into these sort of empowering NLP techniques. So thank you for sharing that particular one within this episode, because, you know, I'm sure that if even just one person decides to have a go and implement it and sees and practices the power of it, it'll be absolutely life changing, won't it? Yeah, it will be. I mean, I, I really love this stuff. I mean, it's so incredibly powerful. And if you start learning how to, how to do it, like, you know, talking on the topic of anchors, there's, there's anchoring, there's stacking the anchors. There's another technique called collapsing the anchors if you want to get rid of a particular problem. And I remember a while ago, I was taking a course done by Rick Schnabel, uh, level one of NLP. And I was thinking about a problem that had been bothering me for a long time, a, a trauma, actually. I was sitting in a coffee shop and I thought, oh, I know how to deal with this. I can do the collapsing anchoring technique, the collapsing anchors technique. So I went back to my apartment, 
and I looked up the technique and I watched the video to do with it. And then I did a process of anchoring. So again, this time I did it differently and I'll explain what I did. So I, I created a bunch of positive anchors. So I took my right hand and you see how I've done this thing with my, my fingers, creating this V shape. So I'd elicit all these positive anchors in my life and I would take this hand and I would press it against the top of my leg, okay? Did five of those, made it nice and positive and strong. And then the negative anchor with my left hand did this and put it on the top of my leg to anchor that. And then I gave myself about 20 seconds to relax. And then I took both hands, went like this, boom. And the, the energy of it nearly threw me out of my chair. I mean, it was just wild. And the other thing that happened, uh, at one point in my life, I went through something called a Kundalini awakening. Kundalini, that's another story, but it creates, if you go through it, you experience things called Kriyas, which are spontaneous yogic movements. And for years I'd been going through this, but not for a long, long time. But when I did this thing with my hands, it activated one of these Kriyas. And for me, this particular one that I did was a corkscrewing motion at the base of my spine where I'm going like this, right? And the action of it's like it activated a Kriya and, and it was really strong corkscrew central. And it's like, and the energy of this thing was extremely powerful. And I had never, ever been able to spontaneously activate a Kriya before. But when I did the collapsing anchors exercise a few times, every time I did it, Korea Central. And it was like, wow, this is cool, man. It's kind of fun, really. Uh, like Korea is, you know, a bit of a side journey on that, but some people get freaked out by that stuff. But the way to deal with it is to trust that the universe knows what it's doing. And that when these things happen, that you know, I was around a really supportive group of people and they let me know everything's fine. You're safe. Don't worry. Just go with it. And I did. And it was fine. And that's really important when you're we're dealing with people in different situations. If they know that what's happening is natural and normal, even though you've never seen it before, but you're around people who have, and they say to you, hey, you're okay, you're fine. This is natural, this is normal. Even though you've never experienced it before, we've seen it before, you're fine. Just go with it, let it happen. There was another, I'm gonna use one more example, extreme example, um, a guy, I'm trying to remember his name. He was in a monastery and he was doing, he was on a retreat and he had a very powerful release. And when that happened, his arms started to flop like a bird <laughs> and he, and he could stop it. But if he released, his arms would keep flopping. And he was really upset. And he went to the leader of the monastery and talked to the guy. And the guy said, you're not happy with this. You, you want to control this. And, and the guy said, yeah. And he said, well, tough luck. This is where you are right now. You need to just go back and sit on your meditation cushion and you need to let it happen until it's done. And he went back there and, and he sat down on his cushion and for two days, he watched his arms flop until it was done. You see, with a lot of these spiritual things, and this comes over into NLP and other things, people get freaked by this stuff because they think it's abnormal. That's because we have the Western mindset. But if you're around yogis and meditation teachers who know this stuff, they're going to say to you, hey, no worries. This is normal. 
may not be normal for you because you have a judgment about it saying it's bad, it's wrong, and I need to stop it. No, it's normal. Yeah, Let it's just it about happen. having that trust and faith and acceptance, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I had another one which was happening way back in the days of that awakening. I'd be sitting on my meditation cushion, and then it was like being hit by a sledgehammer, and I'd get thrown off my cushion backwards into a yogic position called the plow, where I was like my entire uh, lower body was up, and, uh, and the only part of me touching the ground was my shoulders and my head, but the rest of me was up and over. And I'd be locked into this position. And the first time it happened, like, uh oh, and I could pull myself out of it. But as soon as I released, bang, back into it. And my body would do that for like 20 minutes at a time. And I just had to let it be. And, and fortunately, I was around that supportive group of people who let me know this is normal. This is the way it is. Let it happen. Don't fight it <laughs> or stop fighting it. Stop fighting it. Let it happen. And after a while, I got to a point where I just trusted it more or less completely, and it would just happen, and it would stay for as long as it stayed, and then I'd come out of it, and everything was fine. Yeah. And that's a really important part for your, your listeners or people who are viewing this, however they're viewing it, is some of these things happen, and it's like, but it's really important to be around supportive people who can say to you, hey, this is normal, you're fine. And I've been very lucky to be around those people, so that now... On my own, all these years later, these things happen and go, oh, it's Kriya, no worries. Just let it happen. Absolutely. And, it and you're fine again. Yeah, I absolutely 100% agree. And, you know, it is about relinquishing that control and the need to control, isn't it? So mm -hmm. on that note, Nathan, I'm sorry, it's coming up to the end of the time in terms of the, the time we've got available for this particular episode. So if you could just share one bit of um, contact information for the listeners to be able to contact you if they're interested in delving down deep into this stuff a bit more what would that be uh there are a couple you could look for me nathan siegel on facebook so you should just type that in facebook another way is through uh my my email address is uh, visualartist49 at gmail.com and i guess the last way is by calling me 408 844 4851. That's a US number. Um, and feel free to reach out to me that way too. Excellent. And I'll make sure all that information plus any other contact information you'd like to share gets put in our show notes for the episode. And once again, thank you so much for sharing um, well, more than one different type of technique to help people feel more empowered and to help them feel more confident and, you know, it's so, it's so important, I think, these days to give people those tools to help them know they've got the strength to tap into that power themselves. You're welcome. Thank you for having me on your show again. Nice to be back. So I'll just sign off by saying, listeners, true love starts with opening our hearts. And until next time, goodbye for now. Thanks for listening to the Hearts Entwined podcast. You can follow Lynn via the Facebook group Two Hearts Entwined or search Lynn Smith, inspirational speaker at LinkedIn or email lynn at hearts-entwined.com. That's L-Y-N at hearts-entwined.com. Remember, true love starts with opening our hearts.